0: I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello, and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network, as ever. I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and on this edition of the show, we're going to be talking about Alexander Lacazette's comments regarding his future. The Frenchman has broken his silence on what the future holds for him. Uh, He's talked about wanting to play in the Champions League. Uh, He says he's missing it. And uh, that comment in particular, that bit in particular, has angered a fair few Arsenal fans out there. So we're going to talk about that, whether he was right to say it, um, what I make of the interview in general. We're also going to discuss the cultural review taking place at the football club as well. So as always with the Arsenal, lots to get our teeth into. Hope you're all enjoying uh, your bank holiday Monday so far. Back to the real world tomorrow. And then, of course, Arsenal take on Chelsea at Stamford Bridge On Wednesday night. So not too long to wait until we're next uh, in action. And the focus tomorrow uh, for our content will be that game. We'll be bringing you the preview as well as uh, our weekly show with myself and Mike Stavrou right here on the channel, where we'll be uh, discussing the current situation at the club and whatever else uh, the conversation takes us to. Big hello to everybody in the live chat. I can see there's plenty of you with us already. uh, And we've only been... um, running for a few seconds so welcome hope you're all good hope you're all well and uh without further ado then let's get into it and we're going to start off uh with something a little bit sad um in fact very sad something that um has come over the last few days a a horrible bit of news for the Arsenal fan base and for the Arsenal world and of course uh most importantly for this gentleman's family uh, former Chief Scout Steve Rowley uh, has passed away after a short illness. He was just 63 years old and he'd been associated with the club since January 1980, where he became uh, a part-time scout for the Gunners. Um, Some of the early sort of successes that he had in his career as a talent identifier, if you like, include Tony Adams, Ray Parler, and during George Graham's time, As Arsenal manager, he was uh, given a full-time position. When Arsene Wenger arrived in 1996, uh, he appointed Steve as our chief scout and he held on to that position until 2017. He had four decades with the club. Um, He and his network of scouts were responsible for identifying and securing many of our instrumental uh, players over the years. And um, yeah, our thoughts are with his family and friends at this difficult time as well. So rest in peace, uh, Steve Rowley, real Arsenal man. Okay, let's get into Alexander Lacazette. Now, you've probably seen this floating around social media. You've probably seen quotes from this interview all over the place over the last sort of few hours with people, Arsenal fans in particular, being incredible, incredibly critical of what the Frenchman had to say. And listen, I'm not one to go OTT on a player interview. I'm not one to really stick the boot in when it's not necessary. I'm not one who really wants to get caught up and hung up on people's words because often we can see quotes online, take them in the wrong context and make a mountain out of a molehill. And given Arsenal's struggles on the pitch right now, I don't think that any negative energy really um, is helpful at this moment in time. But... I can kind of understand why people have taken issue with what Alexander Lacazette has had to say to French television. Now, as we all know, the Frenchman is out of contract at the end of the season, and there's been no indication as of yet that an agreement is in place for him to stay on beyond that. We've heard from Mikel Arteta on numerous occasions that they'll review the situation in the summer. But Alexander Lacazette revealed in a TV interview yesterday that he is in discussions with With lots of clubs. Uh, He says he's open. He wants to play in Europe. It's been a long time since he's played in the Champions League and he's missing it. Now, of course, Arsenal haven't been in the Champions League for a while and Arsenal fans have grown incredibly frustrated by that. But a lot of the frustration in recent weeks has been directed towards Alexander Lacazette, among others, because of his lack of goals, because of the fact that he's leading the line for this football club and simply not producing what is expected. Um, in terms of outputs. And there's no getting away from that. You know, there's no getting away from the fact that Lacazette in front of goal hasn't done enough this season. Can you make a case that says he's the best option based on what we have available? Absolutely. Can you make a case um, that that sort of he's brought a, a sort of um, a, a dynamic to that position that has at times this season got the most out of Smith Rowe, Saka, Odegaard, Martinelli. Yeah, for sure. But he's not scoring enough goals and there's no getting away from that. No matter how much you want to back Lacazette, no matter how much you want to defend him, no matter how much you want to um, sort of pretend that he's doing a wonderful job, there's that part of his game is clearly missing and it's clearly a problem. So I think why a lot of people have found this quite irritating and, and even myself, look, and as I say, I'm not someone who normally gets... Annoyed by things like this, and, and I don't really have an issue with him talking about his future. For what it's worth, Alexander Lacazette clearly the club don't think at this moment in time that he's worthy of a new contract. Clearly, his mind is is on his future as well, and and I think that he's well within his rights to talk to clubs, and he's well within his rights to kind of put that "come and get me" sort of message out into the public domain in order to try and get himself the best deal possible when he moves on from the Arsenal. I don't think at any point in Alexander Lacazette's career have we had any real reason to doubt his professionalism or doubt his commitment to the club. And so I think for the most part, you've got to give him the benefit of the doubt here that it wasn't meant to be snide. It wasn't meant to be anything other than him just speaking his truth um, during an interview. But I think that the Champions League bit has touched a bit of a nerve with a lot of Arsenal fans because, of course... Alexander Lacazette isn't delivering in front of goal. Many would put our recent troubles down to a lack of goals. Um, Obviously, he was unavailable at the weekend due to COVID. But we're in a place where, you know, for not just sort of in this little period that we're going through. On a number of occasions this season, we've had a problem scoring goals. And when your centre-forward is not contributing his fair share, then obviously the scrutiny is going to go there. The the eye is going to go there, first of all, isn't it? That's the player on the pitch that you'd expect to be the biggest goal threat, not the one uh, with the least threat. And I've seen people over the course of the season call him lack of threat, haven't they, in order to try and sort of I guess, mock him for that lack of goals. But this whole bit about the Champions League, it did it did just touch a nerve with me the first time I read it. But as I've sort of thought about it, as I've th- sort of processed it, why wouldn't he want to play in the Champions League? Why would anybody not want to play in the Champions League? Um, but yeah, you know, he says, I want to play in Europe. It's been a long time since I played in the Champions League. I'm missing it for well, you and us too, um, Alex. But you uh, have the ability and the potential and the responsibility to help us maintain our challenge for it, to help us get into that place, get into that position, Um, because you have a direct influence on what happens on the pitch. You're out there week in, week out, with the exception, as I say, of this weekend because of his COVID um, test. We don't know if he'll be back on Wednesday. We don't know if he'll be back for next weekend. We don't know how the COVID's affected him. We don't know what his symptoms are, how severe they are, whether that's had an impact. But what we do know is that Alexander Lacazette has not delivered in front of goal this season for the Arsenal. And so, although I don't think that those comments were meant with any malice or any ill intent, and 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 I'm very big on not sort of hanging people up to dry for sentences they say that can be potentially taken out of context. I mean, was he asked... Uh, whether or not he wants to play in the Champions League next season? Was he asked what sort of club he's looking at uh, for next season? I don't really know. But at the end of the day, I can understand on this occasion. And a lot of the time, I think that we as a fan base make mountains out of molehills. And a lot of the time, I don't agree um, with our sort of, you know, I don't agree with our fan base getting outraged and sort of jumping on people's backs. I think, though, after three successive defeats that have damaged our chances of finishing in the Champions League positions, I think as a professional and as someone with half a brain, Alexander Lacazette has got to read the room a little bit better before making those comments. And again, sometimes you can get caught up in an interview, you can say something, it can be taken out of context, it can come across in a way that was not intended, and people will jump on it. But I think this is a bit of a, um, a slip up from Lacazette from a PR point of view, because for all the sort of uh, lack of goals and for all the other issues that he has on the pitch, everybody's always been quite sort of complimentary of how professional he is, how uh, committed he is, etc, etc. Uh, so in that case, I think he he's kind of done himself a little bit of damage to the one part of his reputation that had sort of remained intact. But yeah. It irritated me a little bit when I first read it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna beat around the bush. I'm not gonna lie. But is it a big enough deal for people to sort of hold it against him moving forward? I don't think so. I think it is worth though. Um, I think it is worth discussing because it has sparked quite the reaction uh, online. Uh, let's uh, take some of your comments uh, in the chat box regarding Alexander Lacazette. Lots of well wishes um, for Steve Rowley as well, and rightly so. Um, but I just want to um, to pick up some of your comments on the Lacazette thing before we move on. Uh, High Tech J says, what I learned from Lacazette's comment is that they the guy is tapped, to say the least. The man is actively costing his current club UEFA Champions League football, but he thinks he can go to UEFA Champions League club. Uh, Anthony 92 says his COVID can't be that bad. Seen as he's doing TV interviews, he also goes on to say, I still feel that was an excuse and more to do with this coming out. Hence, he was dropped. Interesting theory. Uh, Craig Tanner, one of our members, says, Lacazette, thanks for the memories, but it's time to go. Uh, Psycho vibes can't quite understand uh, the outrage. He says, Why are fans angry? He clearly didn't want to play for Arsenal by not signing a contract extension. Clearly, by his performances, his mind is not at Arsenal anymore. See, that that I slightly disagree with because I don't think that his dip in performances or his um, sort of lack of goals is down to a lack of effort. Therefore, I can't say that it's, it's to do with his attitude or that his head is elsewhere. I think that's a little bit harsh in my personal opinion anyway. But of course... Um, everybody's entitled to their view. I just feel like he has always shown a commitment, a a base level of commitment for me that has been far greater than most of the other players within the group. So to now turn around and say that his head is elsewhere, I'm not really sure. Um, What else have we got? Uh, Inter says, I expect him to never start again, to be honest. We have to be fair. Uh, To the previous players, Pandy Bong says Lacazette's comments are a joke. He should not get a single another minute. Start Martinelli or Pepe. Arteta looks even more of a tool with Lacazette's comments. It's interesting, though, isn't it? Because if you remember um, pre the Southampton game, when he was asked about Lacazette and if he'd be available, I I think Arteta, I beg your pardon, made some sort of comment along the lines of, I can't talk about, like, it's personal. Was he talking about the fact that the guy's got COVID, that he's tested positive for COVID? Was that personal, that he didn't want to sort of reveal that unless Alexander Lacazette was okay with it? Or was it more? I don't know. I don't know. Um, Hambo says, how about scoring some effing goals to get us into Europe? Um, Paul James says, we didn't offer a contract extension, so I understand him planning his future. But we're not in the CL because he's not scored regularly. I think it's partly because he's not scored regularly, uh, for sure. Um, Thomas Collingwood says, yeah, makes sense. Divert attention to Lacquer. Problems are still and will remain with Mikel. I'm not diverting the attention anywhere, Thomas. I'm just reacting to the news and to the stuff that's sort of sparking conversation today, as we do. You know, it's a daily topical show. Um, I'm not diverting it anywhere. Uh, side says Arteta is at fault for continuing to play him. He must know of his intent to leave. So why waste time on a striker who can't score and has no future? Um, let's see what else we've got. Uh, Louis says whoever has leaked this interview out or how it's got out. What he said is dire. I think it was just a public interview. I don't think anyone's leaked it. Uh, such bad timing to give an interview like that, especially where we are at the moment. He's a clown. He won't be missed. I tell you what, though, Louis. Um, what I would say is that what I would say is that sometimes these interviews can can be recorded and then be sat on for ages because of um, because of sort of approvals and things like that. So I don't know exactly when the interview was recorded. I don't know if anybody else knows any better. If you do, let me know. Um, but you know, he might have said this two, three weeks ago, in which case the outlook was very different. I'm not, again, not defending him. I'm just trying to apply a fair and balanced assessment of this. Uh, What else have we got? Charlie says, uh, Harry, I have a question for you regarding our target. When did it shift from winning the Champions League within three years to now getting into the top six? Well, I think uh, Mikel Arteta must have realised quite quickly um, that actually if he did say that, as William says, then that was way, uh, way too optimistic. Uh, but yeah, look, as I say, it's as I've said a, a million and one times. My target, your target, is not necessarily going to be in line with with what the clubs is. Um, it's not always going to be in line with what the clubs is. And, and maybe Mikel Arteta did think he could turn the ship around quickly. It's a bit like doing a building job. Have you ever done like um, a refurb on your on your house or? or anything, and you've kind of like, you've set out to do it. You've budgeted for, I don't know, X amount of money. And then when you've gone to do the job, you've found other things that need doing, that need fixing. And while you've got the floor ripped up, and while you're plastering the walls, and while you're doing this, and while you're doing that, you kind of need to fix those other issues. Otherwise, it kind of undermines the overall work that you're doing. I think that this is a bit of what Mikel Arteta's faced at Arsenal. I don't think that he realised the size of the challenge. I don't think a lot of the fans realised the size of the challenge he was facing. I don't think a lot of people realised the size of the challenge that Unai Emery was facing. And unfortunately, during his time, we didn't even have a supportive board. We didn't even have a structure above him that was going to back him and support him in the decisions that he wanted to take. So I think that that's probably a, a fair analogy as to what's happened at Arsenal. He's come in, he sort of ripped off the band-aid and he's found a much more severe wound than the one that he anticipated. And so the recovery um, and the steps that need to be taken in order to to make that better are going to be a lot more difficult. Uh, What else have we got? Um, Just quickly touching on Laka. Again, Jay says Laka will be gone in the summer. I couldn't care less what he says. Um, Tom says, do we even know when the interview was recorded? goes back to the point I made a little bit earlier on. I don't know, mate. Uh, uh, GB adding a little bit more context. Uh, he was asked whether going back to Leon becomes complicated if they aren't in the UCL. Yep. That is right. He was asked about the, the prospect of returning to Leon and he said it makes it difficult as he'd like to play in the champions league. Uh, what else have we got? Um, Craig Tanner backing me up there on that point I made about Arteta calling it a private matter, um, odd seeing as it was COVID. Yeah. But you know what? Some people are funny about people knowing they've got COVID. I don't know if that's because they want to just get on with things and they don't want to, um, they don't want to kind of have that disruption. They don't want to miss out on stuff. I don't know. Not that there's any rules here anyway at the moment, but yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. Uh big shout out to Louie. He says, I respect your answer, Harry. Using the word leaked was clearly wrong, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I know what you mean, mate, about it coming out. Um, he says, respect and thanks for answering. Love your work. Such a great guy. Thank you so, so much, mate. Really, really do uh, appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> this is some silly comments in there. Um, what else have we got? Dupe says, uh, but what we did was we realized it's not a hard job, but we decided to be incompetent and take a month's break when doing the revamp. I don't know. Um, Palmsy says Tottenham face a bigger challenge than us, but it appears if you get a decent, proven manager, you climb up the table. You also get beaten by Brighton at home, um, which if that, which when that was us, everybody sort of lost their minds over. I don't see people losing their minds about it with um, with Antonio Conte. And it is still in our hands to finish in the Champions League, right? Um, so yeah, but also Palmsy, what Tottenham have. When Antonio Conte came in, was a top quality centre forward and a top quality attacker in Son, who if he set the rest of the team up, would more than more often than not, um, sort of get him out of a hole, get him out of trouble, and um, and win him football matches. And we just don't have that level of quality now. Whose fault that is is up for debate, of course. But um, yeah, I, I do think that Conte, although doesn't he didn't have a complete squad when he walked into Tottenham, had a higher standard of player in important areas to work with than what Mikel Arteta had. But anyway, let's um let's take a short pause and then we're going to tell you a little bit about this week's live podcast event coming up at the Hippodrome Casino in Central London in Leicester Square to be specific on Thursday night the night after we travel to Chelsea find out how you can come and join us. Okay, welcome back to the show. Uh, just a quick reminder that this Thursday night uh, at the Hippodrome Casino in London's Leicester Square, we'll be doing a live audience podcast presented by Lee Judges TV. So that's Lee Judges and Dan Potts. The hybrid Squad, Sophie Nicolau will also be uh, co-presenting with those guys. And it will be featuring myself, Um, And of course, Tom Canton from the Guna Talk TV with special guest, Super Kev, Super Kevin Campbell. He'll be with us too. If you want to attend this event, it's on Thursday, the 21st of April between 7 and 9 p.m. It is completely free of charge. All you need to do is contact one of us so that we can put your name on the guest list. Now, if you do want to come to this event, the quicker you sign up, the better, because there are limited spaces available. We've only got a room with a certain amount of seats, which means we can only bring in a certain amount of people. And I don't want you to miss out if this is something that you want to attend to. Um, Mark says he's uh, he'll be there, uh, looking forward to meeting you. Looking forward to meeting you too, mate. Um, honestly, it's great to meet you guys in person when the opportunity comes along, because as I always say, you guys get to see my face every single day when we do these. I don't get to see yours. Um, So it's great to put um, sort of names to the faces and get to meet you guys in person. And thank you guys, uh, of course, for your support of the podcast and of the channel. Uh, Just a quick reminder for those of you asking, it's at the Hippodrome Casino in London's Leicester Square, the world famous Hippodrome Casino. So if you do want to come down Thursday, 21st of April, 7 pm until 9 pm, completely free of charge for this live audience podcast and a a bit of a chat and a drink afterwards, of course, uh, with us guys, please do let us know. Um, Contact me via DM, whatever, um, and I'll put your name down on the list. But if you have already contacted one of the others and they've put your name down, um, then please do not then sort of double book because we've had a little bit of that um, which is fine but we're just trying to um we're just trying to sort of make sure that we've got an accurate guest list um here we go uh, charlie says greek man in a casino be careful harry oh mate i've got to be very careful i'm i'm a sucker for a casino i'm not gonna lie um afsar says who is paying for the venue none of your business <laughs> um but yeah it's um no i'm, I'm just kidding uh, listen Lee Judges TV and Sophie Nicolau of the Highbury Squad have done uh, all of the organization to this. I'm not going to take any credit for it whatsoever. They've invited myself and Tom Canton from the Guna Talk to go down and join them. Uh, but in terms of the organization of the event, I have no idea um, what they've done. But they've put a lot of uh, effort into this and it's going to be fantastic. So, yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah. Let me know if you fancy calming down. OK, let's uh, talk about the other bit of news dropping today. And that is about the cultural review taking place at Arsenal Football Club. Now, David Ornstein reported this earlier today, and I just want to share with you guys what David Ornstein said. He said that Arsenal have hired external consultants to help improve the culture at the club. London firm PeopleMade are conducting a top-to-bottom cultural review called the Arsenal Way in a bid to connect with history and values amid acceptance, it has faded. What are we going to make of this? I don't really know. Because if you're... And listen, I do believe that Mikel Arteta has done a lot to help the culture at the club. I do believe that Mikel Arteta has done a lot to weed out the people that were problems, the people that were Uh, an issue, the people that didn't want to be, as he says, on the ship with us going in the right direction. But to do this and for this to come out, that is then surely showing or saying that actually We've not turned the culture around at the club. One of the big things, one of the big things that Arsenal have kind of sold to us or wanted to get across to us during this period is that, okay, the results aren't there and, okay, the team is not as competitive today as we'd like it to be. But at the very, very least, at the baseline, we've worked on the culture. Mikel Arteta is at the forefront of that, as is Edu. And we're making improvements around the club at the training ground and all these things. And and Mikel Arteta has spoken quite openly about. The sort of want to kind of keep the history of Arsenal Football Club and all the successes of yesteryear at the forefront of people's minds so that they do recognize what a special club they're representing. And so they do sort of buy into it and it can help us and it can inspire us and it can drive us forward. That was that's what we're being told is being done and have been told is being done. So now to go and um to go and say that or to let it come out that Arsenal have gone and hired a firm to conduct this cultural review is a bit of a like shoot yourself in the foot moment from a PR perspective. Is it not? Because one of the reasons that a lot of us have stayed patient and one of the reasons that a lot of us have sort of bought into this and and been okay with it taking a bit longer is because we felt like behind the scenes, at least, things were sort of getting in order. Like we were putting our ducks in line and we were at least moving in the right direction in that sense. But we were just sort of, we're just missing that final touch. But I don't know, man, like this this caught me by surprise. It caught me off guard. It makes me feel like they don't believe that they've been able to do what they've been telling us uh, that they're doing. Or or have been doing. So, yeah, I find this all a little bit strange. I don't really know what this means. I don't really know an awful lot more about it. And I suspect that Arsenal won't be giving us uh, too much more information about this either through uh, the journalists, through the people that have been given this information. But as I say, um, I got caught out by this. This was a bit of a surprise to me. And it does kind of suggest, doesn't it, that we haven't been able to do it ourselves just yet? Is it because. And is this a problem that, you know, maybe Arsene Wenger faced to some degree as well, that, you know, that he was too, he was responsible for too many things. Have the club maybe not admitted that they're failing in it, but maybe recognised that actually Mikel Arteta can't be so immersed in all of this, but also coach the team, set up the team. I don't know. That's kind of the flip side of the case I just made, where I said that, this sort of signifies that um, maybe they failed in in changing the culture uh, up until now without external help, and now they've recognised that that the only way to do this is to go and, and tap into external resource. As I say, though, perhaps, perhaps, and again, I'm just speculating, perhaps um, it's because uh, they feel like the manager's being spread too thin. I don't know. And look, this is the other thing as well. You know, Michel Arteta is in charge of a lot of Arsenal Football Club. His his list of responsibilities grew significantly, didn't it, when he switched from head coach to manager. Um, And there was an argument at the time that this had come too soon, that this was something that Arsene Wenger, the great Arsene Wenger, found overwhelming. How the hell does someone with Mikel Arteta's experience take this on and do a good job of it without sort of being a, jack-of-all-trades and a bit of a master of none like there, there was always that worry and that risk and I felt at the time that although from a football perspective it might not be the worst thing in the world having someone who has football at the forefront of their thoughts um sort of making the decisions and calling the shots I um you know I I, I do think that maybe we piled a little bit too much responsibility on him I don't know um I really don't know anyway let's go over to the comments um and I will see what you guys are saying. Also, um, get some of your questions in, and um, and I want to hear from you guys as well for the last sort of 15 minutes of the show. Just a quick reminder, though, um, while you guys are doing that, if you could, please hit the like button. I would really, really appreciate it. If we can get to 100 likes on the screen, I would be delighted. Please uh, do smash that like button. It really, really does help. Okay, um, Let's see what you guys are saying. Uh, Troy says, Arteta needs to weed himself out. He's the problem. When Aubameyang left, we won a couple of games and it was C. Oba was the problem. Then we lose and Oba scores a load of goals. Uh, we, we just get stuck in this cycle, don't we, of discussing the same things over and over and over and over again. Um, said Abdullah says, what does this even mean? Honestly, don't have a clue. If you want culture, why not go back to doing what Wenger did and create some winning teams that are fun to watch, not this robotic nonsense? So, side thinks that there's a that it's impossible for the culture to improve, I'm assuming, without the football improving and without the results improving. I think that the two uh, correlate for sure. Um. Anthony 92 says, that's what happens when you get rid of all the Arsenal men in the club for random people who have no idea. Uh, Kanya says, cultural change is not an event, it's a process. Um, You don't want to say the word process in the chat box, mate, although I agree with you. Uh, You're going to incur the wrath of some, I'm sure. Um, Fala says, does culture improve on the field results? I do think the two have a direct correlation. Um, I think culture has an impact on mentality and mentality has an impact in performance. So yeah, I think there is a link there. Um, What else have we got in the chat about this? Uh, Travarelli says, be fair, the culture does seem better. It does in some ways. And that's why I said this caught me off guard and this caught me by surprise because it's almost like saying, well, all the work that we've told you we've done and that we've sort of pushed out in front of you for you guys to see and, and for you guys to kind of buy into so that you would give us a little bit more time on the field is actually not as good as we we packaged it up because now we've we've recognized that we're not getting anywhere and we need to go out there and get somebody else to come in and do it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, what else have we got in the chat box? Um GB says, do you think Arteta will think that he has to go to a back three against Chelsea? Moving on to your questions now. Um, Do you think Arteta would think that he has to go to a back three against Chelsea? I think he might. I think a lot of teams go to a back three against Chelsea from fear of getting sort of uh, dominated by them. And I think that it is the right thing to do. But I'll come on and discuss my reasons and explain my reasons in a lot more detail on tomorrow's uh, full preview show ahead of that game. Uh, What else have we got? Um, Mohamed says, uh, the next three matches, Chelsea United West Ham, will determine our season. We must fight. I th- Did you say that in the last show as well, Mohamed? Uh, what else have we got? Uh, some of your questions come on, peanut butter jelly time. Harry, we can change the manager all we want. We all know that unless serious investment happens, we'll continue to go backwards. Why do we never take advantage of transfer windows? Yeah, but this is this is the key point, unless you spend the money that City do or that Chelsea do, or you give somebody time, and it might not necessarily be Mikel Arteta, but somebody time to do their work, like Liverpool did with Jurgen Klopp. Granted, Jurgen Klopp was much more experienced. Jurgen Klopp was much more um, sort of proven and is a, is a better manager. There's no question about that. But Liverpool had to give him time. If you'd have gone sort of, if you'd have acted towards Jurgen Klopp the way that Arsenal fans have acted towards Mikel Arteta in the first couple of years, Jurgen Klopp would have been gone as well because, yeah, they were going and they were scoring goals away from home and everybody was sort of loving that side of it. But they were so vulnerable defensively. They were really, really poor um, in the early stages under Klopp from, from that perspective. But you could kind of see that it was moving in in some kind of positive direction. So, unless you have that sort of money that a Chelsea or City do or a United, then you need to give somebody time and you need to build properly. Goes back to that analogy I used earlier on. You don't go in to do a refurb, spot a few problems while you're doing the refurb that maybe you didn't see coming and just gloss over them because that doesn't work in the long term. And those cracks, they will reappear at some point. So you can say, why do we never take advantage of the transfer windows? I mean, I don't for a minute think that Mikel Arteta went into January, lost Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and didn't want a striker. I don't think that Mikel Arteta doesn't want to have the best group of players that he can possibly have. I don't think that Mikel Arteta looks at this squad and thinks, yeah, it's damn good enough to get us in the Champions League. I think a lot of this still goes back to those at the top of the club. And the kind of investment that we're going to need to close the gap is just something we're not going to get out of KSE. Let's be honest about it. And so the other, the only other way we can do it, the only other way that anybody's proven that they can do it in the modern era is by giving somebody time and rebuilding with the right components. Now, you can question whether we're re- rebuilding in the right way and whether we're taking the right decisions, and I completely accept that. But it's either spend big or be patient. There's no other way of doing what it is that Arsenal need to do in order to get back to where we need to be. That's that's how I see it. Um, what else have we got? Uh, do, 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 do. Uh, Martin says um, Simeone would change the culture in 24 hours. <laughs> um, what else have we got? Uh, equally different says, how does he plan to change the culture while making basketball references as some sort of cop-out? either you win or you don't. If you can't finish, that's our fault. Um, Again, mate, as I said on sort of the show that we did, I think it was the day after the game about the whole basketball comments, you know, he's obviously trying to deflect as all managers do when their teams lose. It's very rare now that managers do come out and hound the players, slate the players. And when they do do that, we then go, oh my God, he's throwing his players out under the bus. How are they going to work for him now? How are they going to work under him? How are they going to trust him? You know, how many times have people said that he threw Nicholas Pepe under the bus that time against uh, Leeds United? I think it was away from home. Um, you know, people said he threw Aubameyang under the bus. It's, you know, if he does that, you complain. If he doesn't do that and he sort of deflects, again, people complain. The lesson I've learned sort of, particularly since I started working in football and covering football properly, professionally all right, the, the standard of my coverage is, is up for debate, but um, I'm getting paid for it, so I class it as professionally. Um, you do come to realise that a lot of what you hear in the media, a lot of what is said to the media is hot air, and you shouldn't really sort of dwell on it too much. What else have we got in the chat box? Let's pick up uh, a few more of your thoughts, a few more of your comments. Uh, <laughs> People still taking the opportunity to fire shots at Alexander Lacazette. Osman Ali says, the worst striker I've seen in my 27 years supporting the club. One of the worst three strikers in the Premier League. Currently, the biggest reason why we won't even get sick. And he's talking. <laughs> um, Amira Azed says, do you think this just proves how bad the situation at the club was? Like with any problem in life, depending on how bad it is, you can only do so much yourself before you need to ask for help. Um, I think that the culture was broken at the club. Yes. Um, And I think what happened was Arsene Wenger started to lose control. I think that Ivan Gazidis did a lot to try and take some of that control away from him. And Ivan Gazidis, from what I know, was very, very influential in the, the sort of sacking of Arsene Wenger. Um, so Arsenal recognised that they probably needed to move with the times and change with the times and they took it upon themselves to slowly, slowly start stripping control away from Arsene Wenger, putting things in place for sort of after his departure. Um, they then got that horribly wrong because they brought in people who are no longer at the club just a few years down the line. They also brought in, in my opinion, the wrong manager at the time and for the job that was being asked. Or being advertised. Um, and so all of those things, When you you got to think, right, there's Wenger players here, there's Emery players here, there's Mislintat players here, there's Edu players here, there's Raul Sanley players here, and there's Mikel Arteta players here. And there's just so many different ideologies. There's people that were brought in for very different reasons who are no longer fit for purpose. There's others who um, maybe are caught up in the ways of a previous manager. There's just a lot of mix and mash of players from different sort of managers, different people bringing them in and the sort of the cohesion is just lacking. There's no connection and Mikel Arteta is trying to build that and and like, he might be failing. You can certainly have that viewpoint and I wouldn't be upset about it or, or sort of argue back about it as long as it's put across in the right way. But I think whoever we task with turning this ship around can't afford to leave cracks unattended, can't afford to avoid things because it's easier just to sort of turn a blind eye and walk past them, because that's not how we're going to fix Arsenal Football Club. So I do think that, you know, this whole culture thing, it does feel like a bit of a PR spin for me, Um, but I think it's a PR spin that's probably backfired a little bit because of the fact that one of the big sort of cells about Mikel Arteta's reigns so far has been the work that he's done with regards to the culture has been that we're slowly, slowly rebuilding and we're slowly, slowly um, sort of planning our rise back to the very top. So to now kind of say that, or to now let it come out or be known that actually you've had to go out externally, I get what they're doing. They're trying to show that they're actively taking steps to solve this issue. But by that same token, it contradicts, as I keep saying, the narrative that's been wheeled out by the football club um, with regards to the the culture for a long, long time. What else have we got? Uh, Lynn Simpson. Hope you're well, Lynn. Uh, thank you for joining us. Says, please listen to me, Harry. The Cronkies are not listening to Mikel, but if it's down to finance, the Cronkies will now have to listen to outside sources. Uh, what else have we got? Um, Name blocked says, more nonsense from this guy. I can only assume he's talking about me. Uh, Stanley Cronkey, not Stan, but Stanley Cronky, Um, is the largest landowner in the US and is married to a Walmart heiress. He's got the bread. Stop the excuses. It doesn't, nobody's talking about Stan Cronky's wealth. I've never once mentioned his wealth. But for Arsenal to spend the money, for Arsenal to go out and make the kind of investment that I've talked about, that City make, that Chelsea make, or have made under Roman Abarovic all these years, the owner needs to be willing to spend it. You can't force him. I can't force him. If he doesn't want to do it, he ain't going to do it. And throughout the years, he's shown that he will spend to a certain point, but will not go beyond that, will not go huge, will not give us the kind of cash injection that we need. Why? Because we're one of a number of franchises, as as the Cronkies would call them that they own within the sporting world. And we are not the priority and we're not the number one. And that's a big issue I have with our current ownership, that this kind of passive ownership, this kind of, you know, well, we've got Arsenal Football Club and it's one of a group as opposed to being the sole focus. That's my issue with KSE. But there's no point in running off to me sort of, how wealthy Stan Kroenke is, or how much land he owns, or the fact that his wife is the heiress of Walmart. That's all irrelevant, because if they don't sign the checks, then it means absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing at all. Okay, let's take a, a couple more um, of your questions, and then uh, we're going to drop out. Uh, what else have we got here? um. Paul James following up on the Cronky stuff says Cronkie's ranch is bigger than Wales and he spends big on his sports franchises in the US. Why is he treating us like a poor relation and insisting on success? But this is the point. Paul, and this is where the issue stems from. I don't even think he is insisting success. I don't think he's insisting on Champions League football this season. I don't think he's even insisting on Europa League football, which is why there's been no pressure from the club on Mikel Arteta, which is why there was no urgency in January to go out and bring in the players that a lot of us felt we needed. So, yeah, um, I think that's the root of all our problems, really. It all stems back to that, doesn't it? Okay. Um, Let's take some more of your comments. I'm just going to pick out one or two more um, and and apologise if I miss um, some of your questions, some of your comments, there's so many coming through at the moment. I I will miss some of them, unfortunately. Uh, but I just want to pick out a couple. And I just want to try and pick out something that isn't something we've kind of been over already during this episode. So just bear with me a second while I'm doing that. Uh, if you could, please just hit that like button. It does really, really help. Join the 65 people who have already hit that like button, but there's well over 250 of you watching us right now across the multiple platforms on our live stream. Uh, so there's no reason why we shouldn't have a hundred likes on the board by the time we end the show. So please do uh, hit that like button. As I keep keep saying, it really, really does help. Um, Charlie has leapt to Arsenal Wenger's defence. He says, "Funny how we went backwards when Wenger lost power. Funny how Gazidis left when Wenger left. It is funny that Gazidis left after Wenger left because it didn't make any sense, did it? He'd he'd been so instrumental and so sort of vocal behind the scenes from what I know that we needed a change, that the only way the club was going to move forward. So to put all the exert, all that energy and effort into removing Wenger and then walking away yourself shortly afterwards made no sense to me um, whatsoever. Uh, Richard says, I personally think we still need to give the manager one more season. We finally got rid of the Deadwood in the last transfer window. And this window coming up is so important. Now, I'm not going to sort of cast judgment on whether we should give Mikel Arteta another season or not until I see how the remainder of this season pans out. But to add to your point, Richard, I do suspect that the way you see it is the way that the club see it. I, I really do. I do. If you ask me to bet my house on whether Mikel Arteta will still be in charge next season, regardless of what the results are between now and the end of the campaign, I would, I, I would bet on him being here because i've i've seen nothing i've i've heard nothing i've been told nothing that gives me any indication that his job is on the line or that missing out on the champions league or missing out on the europa league is going to be a problem for him in terms of his sort of long term stay at the club so i can i i think that you are spot on in terms of what i believe the club are thinking i can't say wholeheartedly though that right now i'm I'm like, yeah, give him another year and throw loads of money at him again in the summer. We got to wait and see um, how the season pans out for me. I hope he, I hope he does get in the Champions League, and I hope we do pick up a few more points. And I hope that the teams around us struggle, and I hope that we then go into next season with a massive buzz, have a big transfer window in the summer, and hopefully push on to that next level. I really do hope that, but obviously, there's still a lot to play for, and it could go either way, couldn't it? Going to take one more, uh, take this one from Chris, who says, Arteta isn't the right one for the job. There's no shame in the board admitting they got it wrong again. The club comes first and not egos. Interesting. Interesting. Um, So many people sort of asking questions at the moment of Mikel Arteta. And listen, the questions are valid. I don't have a problem with people asking the questions uh, about Mikel Arteta. What I would say, though, is in my opinion, to sack him today would be silly. Um, it it would be silly. It it would be silly to do that prior to the end of the season because I don't see who comes in that quickly who isn't a knee-jerk panic appointment. I want the right appointment. I think we we, we need to make sure that if we do move on from Arteta, it's for the right man. And I don't really think that working under the pressure of needing to appoint a right man ASAP because you still might qualify for the Champions League and so sort of shortening your time frame down to a week you know is is sensible i don't think that arsenal have a contingency in place knowing the way they've done things over the last few years i'd be shocked if they did so um i think that we should um leave him in charge until the end of the season and, and reassess things then but anyway okay gonna leave it there um enjoy the rest of your bank holiday monday for those of you listening to us live um enjoy your tuesday if you're listening uh via Apple Podcasts or any of the other audio platforms, please do leave us a review. Please do subscribe uh, if you're on YouTube. Help us on the road towards 20,000. Just a quick reminder of the live podcast event coming up at London's Hippodrome Casino on Thursday. If you're interested in attending and it is free of charge, please do hit me up um, and uh, and uh, we'll put your name on that guest list. Limited availability, um, but yeah, we want to get as many of your names on there nice and early so that you don't miss out. I'll catch you all very soon. I'm going to go and sit outside in the sunshine and enjoy what's left of my bank holiday before shit gets real again on uh, tomorrow. I was going to say on Monday, but it's Tuesday. Catch you all soon. Take care. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon.